Everyone knows that we should floss our teeth and eat healthy each day, but do you really do it? Knowing what's right isn't always enough. We need to live it out. You need to actually do it. Hey, it's Karen from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you are listening, we hope this podcast blesses you and we hope you feel free to share this with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are in our third installment of our sermon series called Failure to Launch, and it's all about hearing God's voice. So let's listen in right now. So many times we get it in our heads that we're waiting on God to respond to us when he's waiting for us to respond to him. And that's what this sermon series really is about. We believe that God's given us a purpose to live, but there are obstacles that we get in our path that we need to figure out how to overcome so they don't derail us from our purpose. And that's why we're doing this series, Failure to Launch. And what is failing? How are you failing to launch into the purpose that God's given you to, lead, to live? And we've talked about four common obstacles and how to overcome them. So we've done two so far. This is week three. If you haven't been with us, no problem. Quick catch up here is the first obstacle is stress. And we think we look at our calendar and we're just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get through. It's a stressful time of year, especially if you got kids and it's, you know, everyone's back to school. You don't know your new normal yet. And it's a little bit, a little bit stressful. But the thing is, we all live with a baseline of stress that's ridiculous. Like, we're living, we have all these hormones pumping in, in us as if we were running from a tiger. But we're not. We're sitting at a desk or, or you know, whatever it is that we're doing. And newsflash, that's not healthy. And stress, spiritual stress, it tempts us to take the shortcut. It tempts us to say, you know what, I'm going to put God's plan for me on hold because I just need to relieve the stress and go do this other thing over here. And it never works out. But you see, Jesus wants something different for the rhythm of our lives. Not that we're never going to experience stress. Of course we will. Life is still life. But we think that in the middle of our stress, we can experience something else. That something else is described in Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. That if we walk in the way of Jesus, we can find rest for our souls. It's not like the hurricanes are never going to come, but in the middle of them, we can still experience the rest of our souls. I believe that only happens in relationship with Jesus. So stress is the first obstacle that we need to allow God to remove so that we, it doesn't derail us. The second is hearing God's voice. So you're like, okay, I'm good with, like I understand the stress thing, but I don't even know where to begin when it comes to hearing what God wants for me. How do I even know what his purpose is for me? And that's a great and really important question because like, okay, I'm ready to start, I'm ready to launch, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get the instructions. And so hearing God's voice is, is a big one. How do I know what God wants? And we talked about Romans 12, one and two. But the Apostle Paul gives us the answer in, in 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We talked about that's the, 
the daily calibration of your heart to God's heart. As you're renewing your mind, praying, reading scripture, spending time with other Christians, worship, service, all of those things. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's it. Then you'll know what God's will is. That over time, he will reveal to you what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And today we are on obstacle number three. But uh, as a way of getting there, I want to share something with you that's a little bit vulnerable for me, uh, but, I, but I think it really fits into this next obstacle, and that is losing weight. Let me tell you something. We've all got stuff we struggle with. For me, my whole life, it's been weight. Um, I'm just wired that way. I look at a sandwich, the pounds come on. <laughs> I eat an entire sleeve of cookies, the pounds come on. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> and, you know, losing weight, you know, I'm, I'm in this trend now that, you know, I've lost some weight uh, over the last half a year or so and kind of down to a, a healthier version of me. But the journey to get there, man, is littered with protein bars and diet shakes, right? I mean, it's, the road to get there is, it feels really hard. And it feels like if I would have thought six months out, I probably would have given up. I had to tackle it just one step at a time. And, every, and you know, and then you get lots of advice. I try not to tell anybody I'm losing weight because then I get the advice. Oh, you need to eat more kale. You know how I feel about kale. The best way to eat kale is to fry it up in a pan and throw it right in the garbage. So, <laughs> and if you were like, no, put it in a, in a smoothie. Put it in a kale. Oh, it's delicious. I say, you know what? I'd rather put this in a smoothie. Go ahead to the next there. Like, why can't we, why can't we figure that out? <laughs> and, and here's the truth. We've all seen enough Dr. Oz to know what we're supposed to do. I mean, there's no magic. People ask me, like, oh, what are you doing? Like, well, I'm not eating as much. <laughs> I'm trying to be active. I'm, I'm using up more calories than I'm taking in. I know, it's crazy. Who knew? Diet and exercise actually work. But the thing is, we all know what to do. We've all been tricked into eating cauliflower pizza, which is an abomination. <laughs> the thing, <laughs> I know I lost some of you right there, but it's, it's a personal story. You take it how you will. This isn't scripture. You, this is this opinion. So here's the thing. We're all nutritional experts. We know exactly what we're supposed to eat. We know exactly we're supposed to be getting protein and carbs and easy on the sugar. And you know, we need all these things. We need healthy, healthy fats. I love that. I'm like, if I just eat 100 avocados, will I be the healthy kind of fat? Sorry. <laughs> we're all nutrition experts. We know exactly what to do. And yet, we happen to order wrong sometimes. Cue pancake breakfast. Perfect, perfect. We all order wrong sometimes. And why do we do that? Because in the moment, we actually want to experience some pleasure and get what we want, even though we know it might be bad for us. I know it sounds crazy, but this is not unlike living our Christian faith. Here's why. We don't always do what we believe. 
We all know what to do. We don't always do what we believe. Sometimes we do the opposite, knowing full well that it's bad for us. Except church pancakes, they don't count. <laughs> we don't always order the right thing. And that's the third obstacle believing versus doing. This is where most quote unquote Christians get stuck. And I think it happens accidentally. Part of it is this. Part of it is if you go to church and you go every week or you grew up in church, the act of coming to church, we somehow think is that's the entirety of our Christian faith is the going to church part. The problem with that is that coming to church is a pretty passive experience in that there's music kind of led for you. I'm um, interpreting scripture for you. It's sort of a passive experience. You participate for sure, but it's, it's a little more passive. And the thing is, we, I think, accidentally get the idea that faith is something passive. It's something that we believe and we nod in agreement to, but we don't get how it shows up in the rest of our lives. And, and we have like really easy criteria, like, well, if I never kill anyone... I love, that's my favorite, is that that's the first thing. There's kind of a lot of area in there of life to live. And Jesus goes out of his way to talk a lot about believing and doing. Because here's the thing. Jesus never called us to be believers. I know, let that sit for a minute. Let that marinate. He never called us to be believers. He called us to be disciples. See what I mean in his words from Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, and do not do what I say? We should just make a big poster of that. Why do we call him Lord and then ignore him and then do not do what he says? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house. Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus tells this story, and just like you, everybody who was listening... They knew how ridiculous an idea it was that someone would build a house without a foundation. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And he's saying, that's, yeah, that. That doesn't make any sense. If you don't put my words into practice, it doesn't make any sense. You're actually not living in faith at all. You're actually hedging your bets on trusting Jesus if you're not going to take a step and live your faith. It's believing and doing. And they're both essential to following Jesus. A lot of the doctors that I know, actually most doctors that I know, wanted to be doctors from the time they were little. Some didn't. Some, it came to them later. But, but most of them who I'm friends with, they always wanted to be. They can't imagine a time when they didn't want to be a doctor. And it's a good thing. Because the amount of work it took to get there, I just can't even get my head around the sacrifices, the investment, both their time and their money, they, 
they better make a lot of money because they come out with so much debt. It's crazy. It's crazy. But here's the thing. Medical students, they pass all their exams. They don't then take them right after they graduate and say, okay, you're doing surgery tomorrow. Thank God. <laughs> Why? Because they haven't learned yet. What? But wait, they know, they know all the answers. Right. But they don't really know it until they do it. And there are many levels of their doing it before they ever operate on somebody. I think our learning is the same way. Our learning is cemented by the doing. That's why I say Jesus called disciples, not just believers. This is an apprenticeship program where we are learning on the job. And here's the thing. We'll never really learn it until we do it. And we'll always feel like there's a piece missing of our faith if we don't actually put it into practice. Because, I mean, listen, back in Jesus' day, to be a disciple meant something way more than we ever think of. First of all, you had to be the best of the best. You had to be the best and brightest to even apply to study under a rabbi. And I love how Jesus just flipped that whole thing on its head. It's like, nah, we're not looking for the best of the best. We're looking for people that God's going to work through. Oh, and by the way, they all understood the apprenticeship idea. They all had a trade. They were fishermen. They were workers. They had a career. Jesus calls them. And imagine how honored they were that they, the rabbi chose them. No wonder they dropped everything and followed him. They had the chance of a lifetime. A chance they never thought they'd have. But to be a disciple was something so much more than just believing. Back then, it meant to become just like your rabbi. So what would happen is these disciples, they'd choose a rabbi that they looked up to and wanted to be like, and they would literally copy their daily habits. They would talk like them, even walk like them, so that they become another version of their rabbi. That's what discipleship is. So that requires real-time, on-the-job training to complete. You don't just learn it from a book. You learn it with your hands and feet. Disciple means apprentice. Now, in order to be a disciple, then, I need two things, two really important things. The first one is, I need to be teachable. I'm just going to say this. This is for all of us who've been following Jesus a long time. The longer you follow Jesus, the more you think you know everything. You think you already know all the answers. If someone were to give me a test on the knowledge, I'd pass. That's why I love it when uh, folks who either weren't raised in church or have come back, you know, first time in a long time, and you're sharing scriptural ideas and stories, and they're just like, whoa, this is awesome. But then there are some who've been like, oh my gosh, he's doing this story again. Like, can he pick another one? I've heard this like, 500 times. There's actually a pastor that did that. He preached the same exact sermon word for word three weeks in a row. He was waiting for somebody to say something. <laughs> somebody, yeah, word for word, he had a manuscript. The third week, someone's like, um, excuse me, um, pastor, I don't know if you know this. Preached the same sermon. And he says, yeah, 
I'll stop preaching it when you start doing it. <laughs> Bam! Mic drop. That's right. <laughs> that was awesome. But that's kind of the point. It's, it's not just that, that we come here. We need to be teachable. We need to be teachable. We need to remain open-handed and to recognize we have not figured everything out. God still wants to teach us as we go. And the second is, then we need to be willing to put it into practice, to take these ideas and to do something with them. Kind of like back to the losing weight thing. You could be spiritually overfed in this way. All you do is take in knowledge, but it never comes out in your life. And then what's going to happen is your faith is not going to be complete. It's not going to get to that place that you hope it gets to. Because you're missing a part of it. Plus, it doesn't always make sense until we do it. You ever have that? Where something you know up here doesn't even always make sense until you do it. That's why I love that our teenagers go on a mission trip. I think there's no better way for them to really make sense of the gospel. It's when they're actually serving people, when they actually are the hands and feet of Jesus, then all of a sudden this stuff they've been learning in Sunday school is like, oh, whoa, this is what love looks like. It doesn't always make sense until they do it. Oh, plus, sometimes God's, you know, we say yes to God, and he's teaching us stuff we don't even know we're learning. It's like he Mr. Miyagi's us, right? It's like we learn all this stuff that he's doing, all of a sudden we're like, whoa, you know. We know all this stuff. Do you like that? That was my Daniel LaRusso. I, th I think, too, is... Sometimes we get paralyzed waiting for the perfect thing that God's going to bring us. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm growing in my faith, and I'm waiting for the right opportunity for me to serve. And then we get really, really specific. So we're like, okay, God, listen, I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in, and hey, I want to get involved in my church. And so let me see. I, I, think, I think it's got to be like this, and also like this, and like this. And then we've taken like all the opportunities we have, and there's like this little teeny thing. So, pastor, let me know when that's available. And then, of course, I never call, because that's not available. What happens is we wait for the perfect thing, and then we do nothing because that perfect thing never comes along. When all God wants us to do is just say yes. It begins by just saying yes. Well, listen, should I do this, this, or this? Yes, it's serving God. That's, that's it. Let's not overcomplicate it and then do nothing. Let's jump in. And listen, just like being a doctor, the stakes could not be higher. Lives are at stake. How many people in your life would benefit by having a relationship with Jesus? How many people's lives would have gone in a totally different direction? Guess who God's counting on to influence them? The stakes could not be higher. Let's not overcomplicate it. Bob Goff in his book, Love Does, it's a great book. He says, when you trust someone, you don't need to know everything. 
Don't wait to know everything before you start the doing. Trust that God knows what he's doing. We go to the book of James. I love, I have a love-hate relationship with James because he's super blunt. It's like looking into a mirror and then just like, whoa, okay, enough. <laughs> it hurts. Can we get the dim lights with the mirror, please? He puts it this way about faith and he calls it faith in deeds, faith in doing. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Yikes. He's right, though. If we don't do what we say we believe, I think it's a fair question, do we really believe it? This isn't intended to bum, bum you all out, by the way. But to say that there is a problem when this becomes an obstacle, it will derail what God's trying to do. And we don't want to see that. Here's some of the side effects of not doing, but just kind of believing in your head. The first is this. Sometimes we feel distant and disconnected because we're not doing. You may wonder, you're like, hey man, I'm going to church almost every Sunday, and, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm listening to the podcast and everything, but I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't get it. What's going on? Where's God? What's... And then my next question would be, well then, how are you serving? What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Well, then you're not going to grow. We feel disconnected because the doing is what cements the learning. It's what makes it all come together. And then the second thing is, it's the doing that often reveals our direction. When God's kind of spoken to me in my life, it's never been... It's never been a situation where I've gone from zero to 100. In other words, I sit on my couch, I'm like, okay, God, show up. Tell me what to do. It's never been that. It's always been I start moving in a direction and God steers me. It's kind of like sailing. It's hard to sail if I'm tied to the dock. It's equally hard to sail if I never unfurl the sails. When we start saying yes to God, when we start doing, he often gives us our direction. We start going and he pushes us in the direction that we're supposed to go. It's working together. So how do we overcome this obstacle? I actually think it's a lot like losing weight, and here's how. Like losing weight, we have to decide that we don't want to be like that anymore. We have to decide to take action and to begin the apprenticeship. We have to decide. And I don't think we, we should be looking at like the end result because then we feel like we'll never get there. It's how am I going to decide today in this moment? And then how am I going to decide tomorrow 
when tomorrow comes. And then after a while, we've strung together a bunch of todays, and we start transforming. So where do I start? I'm going to read this scripture for you, and then I'm going to boil it down into the simplest possible application point that, I, that all of us can remember. All right, here's the scripture. This is what Paul says in Galatians 5. So I say, walk in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, start living a life that God wants you to live. And that life will have, it will produce something. It, it will produce what he calls fruit. Your life will start looking like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Good, like That will start showing up in your everyday life. But I, let's even take it down a notch because that even sounds like, oh my gosh, what fruit? I don't know. This comes from uh, John Ortberg. He says this a lot. Just do the next right thing you know to do. That's it. Just do the next right thing you know to do. It could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. Just do the next right thing you know to do. That's how you get started. And that very small step, if you repeat it enough, is going to change the whole trajectory of your life. That's the secret. Diet and exercise. Who knew? So this week, how will you decide to be teachable? Or to put your faith into practice. Maybe for you, it's, hey, listen, the story's coming up, which, by the way, is, is awesome. If, if you weren't here five years ago when we did it, we're going to go through the whole Bible pretty much in a matter of months. And it's great because you see the thread that ties it all together. It's really wonderful. Maybe for you, being teachable is being open to that. Say, hey, you know, I've heard those stories before, but maybe I'm going to learn in a new way. Maybe I'm going to join one of those small groups that's studying the story, reflecting on it. Maybe I'm going to be a part of that. How are you going to put it into practice? Maybe I'm going to volunteer wherever there's need in the life of the church. If there's a need there, I'm going to jump in and say yes. Or maybe it's not in the church. Maybe it's somewhere else where I feel like I'm saying yes to God. Just do the next right thing you know to do. And I think what will happen over time is we allow God to remove that obstacle and we start living, believing, and doing all together. And then we become just like our rabbi. We launch into the purpose that he has for us to live. Amen.